Coming up this week, off screen, Tom Cruise and the IMF are back for Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Reese Witherspoon and Sofia Vergara go on the run in hot pursuit. Michael Douglas hunts Jeremy Irvin in Beyond the Reach. And Adam Sandler does some cobbling in, imaginatively enough, The Cobbler. All of those to come and more off screen. This is. This is off screen. Off screen. The latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen. I'm Van Collin. I'm Cassie Guyon. My name is Case Allen. Every time with the my name is never I am. I know. I just yeah. I is know. it like a reverse prisoner like, thing? I think like, so, I yeah. am a number. I am a free man. You're like my name is I'm a free man. I can man. do a prisoner thing next week if you want. I'll, I'll, just, be, sure. I'll just be number six. I think it's just yeah. a throwback to wanting so. to be Eminem when he was a teenager. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, uh, quite possible. Blonde hair. Yeah. So, should we uh, should we start with a look at uh, Hot Pursuit this week, then? If we absolutely have to. Well, we absolutely do have to, unfortunately. Uh, well, I say unfortunately. It's actually not as bad as people are making out. Um, people people have been really down on Hot Pursuit and coming out of screens going, oh, it's not very good. Were you going in expecting the Shawshank Redemption? Because it's it's a road trip sort of mismatched comedy duo movie with Reese Witherspoon and the lady from Modern Family, whose mm. actual name I'm pretty sure most people don't know. You know it's Gloria. Uh, she kind of is, isn't she? Yeah. Sophia Vergara. But no, yeah. people, people in the UK don't seem to know her by... No. No. Notably more men know Sophia Vergara's name mm. than, yeah. than women. Un- unsurprisingly. Sup- seems to be for a very obvious reason. Although I always remember from Four Brothers when she was Tyrese's girlfriend. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole character. They want to be sitting like... Rosie Perez, sort of. <laughs> so you've got Hot Pursuit, which is the latest from uh, director Anne Fletcher, a comedy director, and uh, this is basically you've got the the it's, you've seen this plot before. This is basically the midnight run formula. So what you've got is the by the book, you know, uh, would be Copperoon, who is assigned to escort a mob witness from point A to point B, point B being you know to testify, and uh, the mob witness, of course, is Sofia Vergara who comes with her own neuroses, her own problems. The two are paired as fugitives along the way and have to escape from the law and a series of hitmen, one of whom seems to be from Scandal, which is oddly distracting. And <laughs> Cassie's the, involved. It's, it, it's, the, it's the gay male prostitute from Scandal. He's, he's one of the hitmen. And uh, right. this is meant to be a twist, but it takes place two minutes into the film, so it's not really oh. much of one. Um, obviously, wacky hijinks along the way, and there's a, a little ingredient to the Thelma and Louise pie in the form of Rob Kaczynski, who gets the token Brad Pitt studly rogue role along the way. We've got a clip. Please, focus. We need to get clothes. Yes. Okay, how about you try something completely different of what you are? How about a woman? Perfect! And you can be a cowboy! Tighten here. But I know it's day. It's day, right? It's like Vegas. Woo! It's hot! What is that white thing? Oh, that's my underwear! That's no underwear, that's a diaper! I like a lot of coverage! So yes, hot pursuit. Like I say, everyone's been sort of weirdly down on this, and you can't help but wonder exactly what they were expecting from the setup. But oh, is it, you mean obviously you're a lady, Cassie? I'm a lady. And uh, does this film appeal to you? Not particularly, I'll be honest. No. Um, I am not a huge fan of just throwing two random actresses together and being like they can be funny. There is there is an element of that. Yeah. I've got to give it that. Um, I don't doubt Sofia Vergara is funny. I like her in Modern Family. It is that it is that character. It is yeah. the Modern Family shtick. It is Gloria from Modern Family. On, on the run, yeah. that, that, that's it. She's funny, I like that. I love Reese Witherspoon in her earlier rom-com, legally blonde comedy persona. I this, like that. Funnily enough, you just touched on something, because this is this is a problem. Reese Witherspoon can do comedy. Yeah. Uh, but usually she plays it straight in comedy, and that's why she's funny. Because mm. even in Legally Blonde, she's, she's not, not doing gags. Yeah. Yeah, the idea is that she's oblivious to mm-hmm. it. Here she actually is trying to be funny. Mm. And... It's it's passable, but that's being charitable. I mean, it, mm. it, it's, it feels like she said, you know what, I've done one Oscar-nominated role, and I'll do another one in three months' time, but I really just want to have a laugh for a couple of weeks. So I'll have a 12-week laugh, 
I'll produce this thing. I'll get myself a girl buddy on screen. And we'll just have a... Like, in, it's her version of a girl's night. Her version of a girl's night yeah. lasts 12, 12 weeks, weeks yeah. and, and has a box office total. Yeah. 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 Her that girl's nights have box office totals. That's how it works. Okay. And that's what it feels like. And you know what? That, that's a pretty good description yeah. of, of the film. It's a little bit depressing that Sofia Vergara's entire character does ultimately boil down to, Whoa, isn't Sofia Vergara attractive? What? large breasts. But that's a lot of her character in Modern Family as well. <laughs> yeah. But you seriously think, if you were going to make the move to the big screen, was this really the role to do it with? Yeah, I mean, I remember yeah. Susan uh, uh, Chef, uh, John Favreau's uh, Chef. Yeah, she, she, yeah, yeah, she had a better role in that than she does in this. Yeah. She got some of her personality and character. Yeah. I mean, one of the one of the biggest uh, flaws in the film is that it is a fairly aimless, floundering, directionless film. It's literally a case of in the first ten minutes, we'll set up the plot. Their fugitives are on the run. 88 minutes long. Okay. 10 minutes of plot setup, a lot of, you know, banter. And you think, there's only 10 minutes left of this. And the reason you do that is because all of a sudden, they shove horning in plot. There is more <laughs> plot in the last 10 minutes of this film than there is in the entire rest of the film. So you've literally got banter mm. and then another 10 minutes of Solid here's all plot. the plot. Yeah. And it's. Really odd and really disconcerting, and you can't help but wonder who wrote this drivel. Um, yeah, and then, then you realise, yes, it's it's under her company, which I think is called Pacific Standard. Now, they have a very specific mandate, which is they produce films by women for women. And when you see Hot Pursuit, you can't help but wonder if they somehow missed their own mission statement. Bear in mind, this company produced Gone Girl. Yes, so uh, yeah. wild? She produced wild. She produced wild. So they are girl-centric movies. But it just seems that when they've gone for comedy, they've kind of gone too far in the other direction because yeah. This but anyway, this would not pass the Bestel test at all. No. It, it, it would not. It, it would fail very miserably very quickly. Uh Rob Kaczynski's entire character in this film, his character name may as well actually be Sploosh. Because that is his function. Would he be like it's Mr. Sploosh or just just Sploosh? Jeff Sploosh. <laughs> Jeff Sploosh. Jeff Sploosh. Jeffrey Sploosh. Jeffrey H. Sploosh. That is his name. What does H stand for? Harold. Huge, Harold. Huge his shit. name is Jeffrey Harold Sploosh. That is his name. Okay. That is not because he's. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I'm what sold. His, just couldn't tell you what his character's name is. Genuinely couldn't yeah. because all I know is, hey, it's Rob Kaczynski. They find him unconscious in the car and apparently panic over this issue because they're the only women in the world that ever panicked over finding, uh, you know, Rob yeah, Kaczynski. Yeah, the the car, yeah. yeah, finding Rob Kaczynski unconscious in the back of a car. Apparently something worth panic o- panicking over mm. to these two women and these two women alone. <laughs> I sat in a room full of women from the likes of Heat Magazine and Glamour and I assure you, they would not have panicked well, by all like, accounts. Fanning, fanning each other. The air conditioning yeah. wasn't working in the screen, but yes, they actually were. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, he's in a track. For a couple of minutes, then. Yeah, yeah. Let's look at what's been what's been good because there's been some interesting stuff. It's um, been a busy old week. I it's think, been a busy yeah. one. Uh, my favourite story. I'm going to start with this one. It's my favourite story. Yeah. This is the Patricia Arquette story. Have you heard this? A 3D animated reboot of the 80s movie Troll. Right? <laughs> okay. in, in the movie Troll was a char- were, were two characters. One was named Harry Potter Senior, and one was named Harry Potter Junior. So. They are now doing a 3D animated sequel entitled Troll, The Rise of Harry Potter Jr. In which case, the word troll could not be more apt if you tried. (laughs) They are literally trolling the audience with this one. I really want to see what that film's box office is. I I really do. Wouldn't you laugh if it was like the number eight, like the box office top ten forever? Then you go go on Twitter and people will be like, oh, this has nothing to do with Harry Potter. There was no Ron, there was no Hermione. Well, the big deal was obviously that Patricia Arquette has signed up to this. I'm going to say, though, that's not as impressive as it should be because I want to point out that Oscar winner Patricia Arquette does also star in CSI Cyber, which is one of the biggest atrocities to ever hit television. A show so bad, they're actually trying to save it by ringing in Ted Danson. Genuinely, that is what they're doing. I will not have any ill-begotten words about Ted Danson. Have you presence. seen Ted Danson in CSI? No, but I've seen it's Ted Danson hilarious. in nearly everything else. Don't doesn't matter, doesn't matter. It's really bad about it. Ted Danson, I'm yeah. pretty sure, has, has just started to go in the head. He's just wandering onto set and doing <laughs> oh. his best shattering at this point. That he's... He he he's he's Don't got to a stage. Bad about dancing. David Caruso is demanding royalties. That's how bad <laughs> we've got. Does dancing wear shades? 
No, no, no. He's got his own stylish Oakley style spectacles. Oh, excellent. Yeah, and his and his now completely white hair with okay. his skeleton. Yeah. Oh, it face. works, bro. It works. His white, hair. his white hair is quite glorious. Right. Okay, we've got uh, we've got another way here. Uh, Willem Dafoe has joined a. Mm-hmm. Uh, which okay, interesting enough. Yeah. Is this um, we, haven't, we haven't got enough to stay. We don't have enough. Yeah, exactly. it's an it's an it is. It definitely is. I don't know. I sit in in you know the IMAX screen constantly wearing 3D glasses, thinking, why is this 14th century French period drama <laughs> not a dystopian sci-fi tale? I'm um, literally c- crossing off the days until Scorch Trials comes out. I'm just desperate for it. <laughs> <laughs> desperate. Well, Willem Dafoe has signed up to start in a film. The title is great, which is What Happened to Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's one of those very rare uh, weekend base dystopian <laughs> yeah. films. You're going to be going because obviously this movie will open on a Friday. <laughs> you'll, you'll be going in today. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> we have two, so what happened to Monday? And yeah, it's going to start Willem Dafoe from the director of Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunter. Okay. Oh, that shows you so that's, what's going to happen. Yeah, kind of die. Kind of, Pretty decent. I don't business. know, but I really want to well. see uh, Hansel and Gretel Bitch Hunter with, with <laughs> Gretel uh, Bitch Hunter. Oh, I just want to watch the Thirty Rock. <laughs> <laughs> that is the greatest Thirty Rock joke. Yeah. So, shall we do Mission Impossible next? Oh, yes. Because you, you guys have both seen this as oh, well. We saw it last night. Yeah. Okay, so Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, which is now the fifth. Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. There are five of these now. Did you ever think we'd get to five of these? Well, I'll be honest. This is the first one I've ever seen. Really? You've yeah. never, all these I've, years, never. No, I've not never, even on like film four. Never dipped a toe into the franchise. Until never dipped last a toe. Night, yeah. No. Not a pinky, but, nothing. No, nothing. Yeah. Um, and after seeing it, yeah, I commented. This franchise could just go on forever. It, it really can. <laughs> right, funny story. I, uh, before we actually get to the review, I will say, when I was watching uh, uh, Rogue Nation, I did at one point, very early on, when you have a scene with uh, Jeremy Renner and Alec Baldwin, I was sat there thinking, Jeremy Renner must have hated working on this, because in his mind, this should have been the first movie of his franchise. Yeah. Because wasn't that why he was brought on From the before. last time? Yeah, definitely. He was brought on was to replace that. Tom Cruise, wasn't he? yeah. And Every four, well, it was going to be kind of transitional. Next one. Yeah, same, same for Bond as well. And yeah, I guess everybody saw what happened with that. So maybe nobody that's... likes the idea of Jeremy Renner replacing them, do they? No. <laughs> I like Jeremy Renner, but yeah, Jeremy Renner is the only guy that could show up in a GI Joe franchise and just have to be there for the rest of the franchise. <laughs> but it's like it's like the reverse Dwayne Johnson, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, he's not the franchise Viagra. He is not. Yeah. So, Rogue Nation, uh, say this is now the fifth one. Basic plot this time around. Uh, well, Ethan Hunt is chasing a band of anti IMF agents. That's how the band is. A secret band of basically terrorism aligned IMF style agents yeah. who are basically dedicated to causing chaos and Called, destabilizing uh, the, the world. Syndicates. Called the Syndicate. Uh, no one else believes that the syndicate exists. However, Tom Cruise, being Tom Cruise, of course he's right, and quickly finds you know not only are they real, but that he has put himself in their crosshairs. This happens to coincide with the U.S. Senate and the CIA teaming up to shut down the IMF, because apparently, when three of your four former film villains are all ex-IMF agents, then it's time to shut the agency down. Four movies, yeah. three of those villains are IMF agents. Really? This is what I was trying to explain to you, wasn't I? Yeah. It's like 24. Loads of double crossing, it's usually yeah. bad IMF. It's, it's like 24. Every time something goes wrong in 24, they might as well just kill everyone in CTU because it's clearly one of them. <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's that thing. Who's doing the hiring for these places? Yeah. <laughs> you know. The whole vetting system isn't. Yeah. The vetting system is, is seriously <laughs> corrupt. So... IMF is shut down. The team, wouldn't you know it, go rogue because apparently that's that's, that, that's what you do. Yeah. You just, it's a clue in the title, isn't it? Yeah. You go yeah. rogue. Although the Rogue Nation, I think, is meant to refer to the Syndicate, isn't it? It is. We do say the title quite a few times. They so do yeah. say it's a Rogue Nation, times, yeah. and of course, they set out to take down the Syndicate on their own terms and also clear their own names. And uh, you know the drill. Here's a clip. Package is still on that plane. Check down the fuel pump. Uh, Mechanicals are locked out. What about the electrical system? Oh, that might work. Uh, no. Hydraulics. Okay, stand by. No, they're encrypted. Benji, the plane. Yes, the package is on the plane. We get it. Can you open the door? I'm by the plane. Benji, can you open the door? Uh, maybe. Open the door when I tell you. I'm 
you have fun with this one, Case? Big time. Did you have fun with this, Cass? Really did. Yeah. I had fun with it too. Now, that, oh. That's that's the thing with it, isn't it? You, yeah. Like you, you were finished watching it with me last night. Yeah. Turned over to me and said, "Yeah, fair play. That was really that great. was that was fun. That was enjoyable." So you would watch the rest of the films now? I don't know. <laughs> I still don't know if I'd yeah. go back. Well, thing is, I feel like I don't need to. I feel this, like this, this is, is so self-contained yeah. that I don't need to know what happened before. I can just follow it on from this point. Well, they are kind of like Bond films used to be in that in that sense. They are really self. It's only when we got to like the Daniel Craig era that Bond films started to have a loose connectivity. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of the whole on Her Majesty's Secret Service thing. Yeah. But um, but it, it's kind of funny. I actually, in a very strange way, genuinely believe Mission Impossible is now a better franchise than James Bond. Wholeheartedly, I believe that now. What claim? That is quite the claim. But because I think there's a genuine argument to make because the Mission Impossible films, and I think it might be admittedly because there's less of them, have something that Bond does not have, which is out and out consistency. Right? You have, it's also, unlike Bond, the directors come in every time and they make it their own. Now, the last three have been a little bit similar. In, in mm. some regards, but I think that's because I think that's more of them kind of like finding the, the yeah. voice really. Now finding, I think because JJ was set such a great sort of template to work yeah. from. Yeah, you'll notice that we're all produced by Bad Robot. Now, yes, so. that is a, something I noticed as well. Yeah. Bad Robot gets the actual riff of the Mission Impossible theme. It's fair, yeah. <laughs> but uh, say so you've got all the ingredients that you love in the Mission Impossible movies, which is you know the the twisty turny <laughs> espionage plot. You've got the uh, the car chasers, the cool clothes, the sunglasses, the gadgets. It's allowed. The running. running you've, got to have, you've got to have that yeah. prolonged Tom yeah. Cruise yeah. run. This time, shirtless down the hallway, being shot. How how bad a marksman, yeah. by the way, are these terrorists? <laughs> I know that a corridor that is like a meter that. wide. It's a meter wide <laughs> hallway. He is running in a straight line straight away from you. That's you can't hit. He's the only thing in the hallway. Let's just point straight. Yeah. And yeah. Shoot him, and he's dead. Now, what I will say about this: this treads similar ground in some regards to uh, Fury Road, to Mad Max Fury Road, mm. in that the female lead seems to weirdly wind up with a more prominent storyline mm. and thus give a better performance yeah. than the actual male lead of the, not of the title in this case, but the sort of central role. Yeah. Uh, in this case, that's Rebecca Ferguson, who I'd never seen anything before. No, She's pretty much an unknown. She was in... She's uh, Swedish, isn't she? She's Swedish. She was in the uh, Dwayne Johnson um, version of Hercules. Was she? Yeah, which I didn't realise. So I, I did I was not know I was watching a review about Mission Possible 5 and they said she was in Hercules. So I'm going to have to... I'd go back because I really, really enjoyed her in this film. I thought she was. Fantastic. I thought she was yeah. great, and she 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 seems to have a good balance between the sort of you know the eyebrow raised um, yeah. super spile snappy mm. neck and the actual snapping of the necks, which mm. is. I which was a bit concerned good, yeah. earlier, in, early on in the film, when she's in the beautiful dresses and emerging out of the pool, yeah. and I was a bit like, oh, really? You could do more with this, and then they did do more with it. So, yeah. They yeah. did a little. In, in fairness to her, she. I mean, because the Mission Impossible franchise has a terrible track record mm. with women. Yeah. It says a lot that every male fitter character that joins the IMF team sticks around for the for the following films. Yeah. Yet the women are ditched every That's single time. time. I mean, at one at one point, Tom Cruise's wife, like the character, wife, to you. Uh, yeah. is literally <laughs> ditched. Yeah, the- yeah. I, I did keep questioning that. I knew he had a wife, so every time there was like a slight flirtation, I was isn't like, he married? Isn't he married? <laughs> Doesn't he have a wife? I, I, I'm not sure what the story is. Is he officially widowed, but in actuality she's in hiding? Is that what it's she's meant in to hiding? Because at the end of Ghost Protocol, when he's saying goodbye to Benji and Luke and everybody else, but he does his he stalker does see routine. Yeah. yeah, and she looks in the back of a wave and every moment to the end of the film. So you've got the real world stunt aspect to this as well, because again, like Fury Road, it's all about the practical effects. <laughs> yes, it is. And boy, and he's, the- he's 53. <laughs> He's Man. 53. He, he makes you feel it, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, I'm, wait, I'm really waiting until he's, he's, like, he's like 60 and yeah. he's still doing... Because he'll still be doing this. Well, they have said that they're going to start doing Mission Impossible 6 as soon as possible. And I think a good reason for that is because it's of his, his age. age. Yeah. I think they'll get it out when he's like 55, 56. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, they say you've got the real world. And do you know what? That is still as thrilling as it's always been. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. The, the biggest problem with it all is there is an aspect to it that you just kind of feel... Yeah, I kind of, I kind of feel like you've turned this into the Coca-Cola of movie franchises now. <laughs> As in, you can serve me a Coke, and on a hot day, I'll really enjoy it. But I know it's Coke. Sometimes you you want something a little bit more. It needs Jack in it, for instance. It needs Jack Daniels in that <laughs> okay. Coke. This this Coke has no Jack Daniels no, in it. What what would be the Jack Daniels for this franchise? For you? I I don't know. I I don't know. It just it feels like. 
it does feel like a sort of conveyor belt sort of franchise at this point. Mm. It does because it is the same kind of film. It is. It's different enough to still be enjoyable. I think that's because we're like as you said, we're revolving double it's, directors, and it is, and, and that consistency is a double-edged sword. Mm. Yes, it is consistent, and it's nice to know that there is that level of quality so you get to John do Wu it. Involved. <laughs> Again, I still like the John Woo one. I watched a bit of it last night actually in bed. I was watching the kid. I love this. I love the, the Porsche and the Audi TT I and the dubs and the dubs. <laughs> What's wrong with the dubs? You know. And uh, I, Hugh, I am gagging for it. I love that. You know, that's, that's my. And, and he was nearly Wolverine. And oh, yeah, he, he was, was nearly he was Wolverine. Wolverine. If that film hadn't gone two weeks overshooting, he would have been Wolverine. Schedule, uh, scheduling conflicts. Yeah. Two weeks. How crazy is that? That's upsetting. And just think, you would have wanted Douglas Scott to be. No, to think that Hugh there was almost a world where Hugh Jackman wasn't Wolverine. Crazy. Here's the real question, though. In a parallel universe, does that mean we have an X Men franchise in which Doug Ray Scott. Not only is Doug Ray Scott Wolverine, but Xander Berkeley actually returned for Taken 3. That's the real question. <laughs> so, <laughs> over to you, boffins and theorists. <laughs> yeah, make that work. Uh, no, so say so you've got that consistency, which is a double-edged sword. And for me, you feel there's something slightly worn about it. But you know what? It's like, it's like having a worn blanket that's still comfortable. You know, it's, it's worn, it's frayed, but it still keeps you warm and comfy. I like that. You know, it, it's like, it's okay, yeah, kind of like that in a way. Yeah. Unlike a Bond film now, where you go and you don't know what to expect any time now with a Bond film. It you just be, know it's going to be a bit dark and a bit gritty. You know, yeah. you, you, it could yeah. be Skyfall, but it could be Quantum Solace. You know, it, it, it's <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. You don't know what to expect. With, or it could be Die Another Day, or it could be... You don't know if it's going hey, to be good or bad. We, well, you fell asleep, but I uh, rewatched watched Die Another Day. I don't think it was that bad. I remember watching it when it's it's kind of cheesy. You don't remember the hype where it was going to be the ultimate, the ultimate film. I remember it seeing really it was. in the cinema when I was a kid and loving it, but then again, I would have been 13. And for all the hype that Skyfall got for being Bond 50, remember, Dying of the Day was Bond 40. So, oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, and it was also the final... It was also the, well, we didn't know at the time that it was the final <laughs> first, Rosner. Oh, yeah. I remember him when going we saw on, the film, going we were Jonathan Glass show, and we were like, you're going to do another one? He was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Done. Well, Please. I will, I will say in a Mission Impossible's defence, yeah. for all the warm, comfortable blanket of somebody who's seen warm, the others... Warm, warm, comfortable blanket. <laughs> Both. Warm and warm. Warm and warm. For somebody who's seen all the others, for somebody who is coming in for this yeah. one, it doesn't feel tired. It Does, doesn't feel okay. like, oh, well, this is a franchise the, on, mm. on its last legs. It feels like this is still really interesting. Yeah. Isn't it? So before we before we wrap up, then let's let's, <laughs> let's just do the cast thing. So because okay, Tom yeah. Tom Cruise is you know he's great as he always is. Jeremy Renner actually, you know what? I'm quite lost. Well, I like Jeremy good, yeah. Renner. He's, I really uh, like his role in this. Yeah. To be honest, he's kind of moved on to like senior. Yeah, because it works. Yeah. He is the straight man to Tom Cruise's yeah. slightly less straight, <laughs> straight and man. And then right? you move on to the comedic foil, Benji. Yes, who in your side peg, which it, it, it's getting a little bit tired, but it works. He gets more to do this time. He does get more to do. And Ving Rhames, who's always... <laughs> it's just Ving Rhames. <laughs> and actually, funnily enough, I was, I was doing the written review for this and I was adding the tags and I added Ving Rhames. And first of all, pred- predictive changed Ving to Bing. Yeah. And then changed the entirety of Ving Rhames to Bohemian Rhapsody. Nice. Wow. Just, Same yeah. difference, really. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Top totally thing. But uh, Rebecca Ferguson owns the film. Love her in it. She's really I good. I did also really like Alec Baldwin, who at one point we realised for the first time as a cinematic audience that Alec Baldwin genuinely has to switch on being Alec Baldwin. <laughs> and there is a moment in which he he's he's just just handed the phone. He's, he's just handed the phone, game. though. And he literally goes... <laughs> he just takes a beat and oh, then when he's in the plane he, yeah you know, yeah, you know it. Bit, he yeah. takes a beat and then he's Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin. Like, really he charges he's like he charges up to do I would also say this Gilbert. is a cinematic revelation that Alec Baldwin has sausages for fingers does he does he have yeah. sausages for fingers yeah. when you he's like holding up his hands he holds up his hands you'll notice stubs. it yeah. His fingers just become sausages. Don't tell, tell me that. That's no, all I I'll could never, think about when I saw that scene. I'll never stop what's the line that he says as well? It's an amazing line. About him that he being says. like the manifestation <gasps> of destiny. Hunt is the manifestation of destiny. Yeah. There is no person he can't become. Yes. No room he cannot enter. No space he cannot violate. It was and then he's incredible. there. <laughs> <laughs> when, he, when he just says his surname, he <laughs> says "hunt" as if it's another very similar sounding yes. word, though, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Right. Yes. Okay. One final thing. We've got it. Without spoiling it, we have to discuss the ending because this okay. seems to be quite divisive now myself and my friend Rich we went to the, the press show and I thought the ending was very considering this is a franchise represented by you know a dynamite fuse I felt the ending was very much snuffing out that fuse very suddenly mm. 
Uh, what did you think of it? Because I thought it was very, I, very damp ending. Very I, rushed. I didn't really find it rushed. I I think it still had an element of kind of tension mm-hmm. being built up. I really like the bad guy. I really like Sean Harris. Yeah, Sean Harris. I would have liked to have seen him in more. I've, I've seen him in Prometheus and a couple of other things. In Prometheus, this is probably his most like, prominent role. Yeah. Find as well at the cave. I think he gets something attached <laughs> to his face, yeah. doesn't he? Oh, is, is, is that Rafe Spall? No, it's Rafe Spall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sean Harris They're is together, the one in Prometheus yeah. who supposedly works with caves but can't find his way out of one. Oh, he's the one with the lovely rocks, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, just a bloody geologist. Yeah, yeah. Love rocks. <laughs> with his face tattoo. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, his, his head tattoo. Is it? Yes. So, what did you think of Sean Harris in the ending? Um, I didn't. I don't understand why anybody would not like the ending. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. That's honest. fair enough. Um, I thought it was it was exciting. It was a, a the element of oh okay. It I was a bit like rushed, I guess. But it's not when rushed. It, just, it was you like quickly over. Yeah. Um, but I didn't think that was a bad thing. Because I did, I, I had forgotten before I saw the film when I came out afterwards. I suddenly came back to me that the ending apparently was retooled. Okay. Right. Uh, when the release date changed from Christmas to summer, it was moved up six months. Mm. Apparently, the ending was retooled, and I can't help think that might be a bit evident. Um, <laughs> based on that ending, I did, I did think if I had paid fifteen quid to see this in IMAX. I might have asked for a refund of a pound fifty. No, I did briefly think. I would have given them back a fiver. For, go on. The That's IMAX it. ident. Yeah. Oh, no, no, the IMAX ident is terrific. I have <laughs> seen that. That's worth that one pound fifty. It has. As yeah. soon as I saw that, I just became like an eight-year-old boy. Actually, yeah, I'll tell you what. <laughs> give me my refund for my one pound fifty refund for the ending, and I'll, get, I'll pay you the one pound fifty yeah. as a charitable yeah. donation for the greatest oh, IMAX ident since yeah. Furious 7, which had its that engine revving yeah. version. Um, what else was I going to say on this one? Um, no, I, I say I enjoyed it overall. Um, I think I think there there are signs of fraying on the edges. I don't think there, I don't think it's falling to pieces or anything. But I think it's, mm. I think it needs think something it's got, needs it's got to at be least injected. One more. At least one more. I think yeah. something needs to inject something new into it though next time. I just want to see who's going to be making the film next. That's so it. Could be taking bets on who's. Michael going to be. Bay, Mission Impossible. Could no. that happen? Oh, spare me. Please spare me. Sam Mendes, maybe, but I don't think he's. What about a McGee, Mission Impossible? Would you settle for a McGee? No. Um, what's his name? Uh, the guy that did Stretch. Stretch. Ooh, Joe Carnahan. Look at Joe Carnahan. In fact, That'll wasn't Joe Carnahan briefly attached to Mission Impossible Three at one point? Get him in for number six. I'm sure he was going to do Mission Impossible Three oh, briefly. But in my vote anyway. But yeah, so okay, competitions. We've got some interesting competitions coming up. What have we got this time? Okay, so we've got uh, as as of Monday, we're giving away Everly on DVD. <clears throat> That's something we're doing. Okay. Remember, we, we reviewed that quite that recently. Only, that was like was a only, month or two. We, it was. It was uh, a really narrow release because it was uh, cinema and VOD, if you remember. Oh, okay, so, so out. now the DVDs out. out. So we've got copies of Everly to give away. So if you go on the site, you can enter that as of Monday. As of the following Monday as well. Uh, well, we're going to have uh, well. What have we got off hand? I really can't remember. Can't, I think we've got rid of, it's, oh, we've got rid of Ted, haven't we? It's Sinister Ted's 2. Gone. Ted's, gone. Ted's gone. Sinister 2 is what we're running the week oh, after. Right, cool. So we're going to be running stuff for Sinister 2 uh, the following Monday. Uh, so go on there. There's images. Do your heart's content. You can enter pretty much as many times as you like, really, because yeah. we can't seem to find a way to place a restriction on it. There's, there's no questions. Or anything, and we so have, just, you go for it. And if you're one of those people who's sending in five entries at a time, don't think we notice. <laughs> we know it's you. Oh, we know. They all come through to the same inbox. We see them. We know who you and are. And then we print them all out and we put them up on the wall and we fling darts at them yeah. randomly and that's how we pick the winners. We always find out. Baskin Robbins always finds out. Actually, what we do is we scrunch, we print out all the entries, we scrunch them up into balls and we throw them. Whichever one the dog catches, whichever one Lola catches, that's a winner. That's, a winner. that's yeah. how we pick them. Unofficial so. off-screen mascot, Lola. That's exactly how we do it. She's, she's like our Top Gear dog. She's, yeah. she's the, the on-screen dog. So right, let's uh, have a little break then and we will come back and look at The Cobbler and uh, Beyond the Reach and the Top Ten because we had a week off last week so we, we did, uh, yeah, got so a few we're, we're in the Top Ten to cover. Yeah, that's it. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. And we're back. Right, okay, so we've got a bit of a weird one this time, Case, as you know. We, yes. we, we did explain this. Okay, so mm. basically, The Cobbler, the Adam Sandler film The Cobbler. Yes. Right, we've got this to review but we already did it. We did, May. Did, well, not you and I. Uh, John Dickinson and I mm, reviewed my, this. My, my doppelganger. Yeah, because I've never seen you and John Dickinson in a room at the same time. So. Except when I host a quiz. Except for all those times. <laughs> yeah. but Except I, for at least 15 times. I sort of figure that it's kind of like Bruce Wayne and Batman, where he just gets another guy to step into the cowl. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, on the 23rd of uh, May, when we reviewed uh, Tomorrowland, on that show as well, The Cobbler was released. And it was released in cinemas, and we, we saw mm-hmm. it, and we reviewed it, and we did all that. 
And now for some reason, and I've yet to find the actual explanation as to why, but it's on release again yeah, this weekend. So rather than review it from scratch, we're going to take the lazy ass option <laughs> and just include our review from way back then. So here you go. So, The Cobbler is the latest from Station Agent Director Thomas McCarthy. Uh, The Cobbler is the story of Max Simpkins, a sort of deflated, down-on-his-luck, well, local New York cobbler. Mm -hmm. And and I I don't mean he makes pies, I mean he fixes shoes. Uh, Right. So, um, effectively, what you've got is a a crack whereby uh, Max Simpkins discovers in his basement of his shop um, an old... Cobbler's machine. Mm-hmm. I want to say cobbling machine, but I don't think that really. It's not really a cobbling machine. Um, an old machine to fix shoes, which happens to be enchanted and bestows upon every pair of shoes it it fixes mm-hmm. the ability for the wearer, well, the any wearer to assume the life of the person whose shoes they are. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you fixed Michael Jordan's shoes with this machine, you could put them on and experience what it's like to be Michael Jordan for five minutes. Well. Mm-hmm. Until you took them off, you can literally take one shoe off and turn back into yourself. That's the mm-hmm. idea. Um, now, Max, played by Adam Sandler, initially uses this to uh, effectively experience more in life. He uses it to, you know, experience wish fulfillment. Effectively, mm-hmm. you know, there's that gorgeous girl down the street. I've always wondered what it would be like to, you know, be with a girl like that. So, you know, he becomes her boyfriend. For example, her boyfriend, of course, being played by. Dan Stevens, which I'm sure ached you to the core, John. Oh, it was, it was awful. <laughs> I don't know what a fan you are, Mr. Stevens. <laughs> and uh, so, we, uh, of course, you know, complications arise along the way. He finds himself inadvertently crossing paths with a local mob enforcer, I want to yes. say. Yeah. And becoming involved in a plot, a sort of land development swindle plot, mm-hmm. through which he may be able to find his true calling. Or can he? Here's a clip in which, which doesn't feature Adam Sandler, but it does feature Adam Sandler's character in the guise of the mob enforcer, who, for the purposes of this clip, I want to point out is a very large and imposing man. Mm-hmm. Very large, very scary man. And uh, this is him crossing paths as that person uh, with someone else whose life he wants to assume. And of course, how do you assume someone's life? Well, the clip will tell you. Excuse me. Yeah. What size are your shoes? What? Ten and a half? Why? Give me. What? Give me your shoes. Are you serious? Yes, I'm real serious. I don't believe you. Shoes, mm-hmm. and you can tell there is that sort of very plinky, plunky sort of a uh, like an old Hebrew score to mm-hmm. it. You know, this you get this in a lot of movies that involve uh, Jewish characters, mm-hmm. but but traditional Jewish. Characters. I don't mean like just Billy Crystal. Mm-hmm. I mean like I don't mean like oh, it's a movie with Josh Gad, so it has that kind of score. You know, what I mean, in, a, in an old Mel Brooks drama, yes. in, in a drama mm-hmm. that has Mel Brooks in it, this is the kind of score you get. And that's very much representative of pretty much the first half of the film. The mm-hmm. half, that's right, first yeah. two thirds, <clears throat> which play like a sort of Jerry Lewis vehicle from way back when. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? Really enjoyable. Yeah, completely. For agree. that period, that Jerry Lewis vehicle aspect to it, in which Adam Sandler is not doing that shouty thing he does. All right, you know that yeah. one he does. Yeah. I, I hate yes. that so much. It was fine in the nineties when the material was good. It's not that that's not going to save a film now, and that's what Adam Sandler's always banked on. Um, it's I've always I keep wondering who's worse, Adam Sandler or Vince Vaughn. And you think actually Adam Sandler's kind of worse because we mm-hmm. know we know he's capable of better. We've seen it. We okay. saw it in the nineties. And if you've never seen the movie Bulletproof, go and see it, and and then you'll be reminded why Adam Sandler was once someone actually worth watching. Um, let's say this is a different beat for Adam yeah. Sandler. This is more in line with that Jerry Lewis vehicle. Yeah. It wins you over with that Jerry Lewis vehicle style, with that somber, comedically tinged fantasy drama aspect, uh-huh. and then decides to chuck all that goodwill out the window by going and becoming an Adam Sandler film. Uh-huh. And I, I don't need another Adam Sandler film in my life. I've seen too many of them. I think once you've sat through That's My Boy and Jack and Jill, you don't need any more Adam Sandler you in really your don't. life. No. 
I mean, blended was actually about as funny as feeding yourself into a blender. And and I'm not exaggerating, blended was terrible. And here we are again. I mean, did, incidentally, blended made a fortune. But uh, no. As I say, I mean, it's uh, it's something interesting for Adam Sandler. Tom, Thomas McCarthy, this isn't his best work, but it's, you know, it's... it's okay, it probably is his worst, but that's only because his calibre is a little bit higher. Um... For uh, modern modern Adam Sandler films, and I do mean like uh, you know the twelve year old kids who go and see Adam Sandler films, mm. they're going to be bored to death with this purely by the first half mm-hmm. because it's not an Adam Sandler film, and then that second half is, and that second half they're going to love, mm-hmm. but the first half will bore them to tears. And of course, you know Dan Stevens only appears in it for about five minutes five of minutes, screen yeah. time, so I'm sure you were let down but as well. Five good minutes. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, for an old-school Adam Sandler fan, mm-hmm. which I consider myself to be, I'm very much a 90s Adam Sandler fan, it's a reminder of, you know, the first half of this film is a reminder of the things he used to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And the second half is a reminder of how bad it's become. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you have your own thoughts on this. Yeah, I, I, I was really surprised by this film. Mm-hmm. I am not an Adam Sandler fan in any way, shape and form. Clearly a Dan Stevens fan, but that's not the reason why I checked the film out. I've obviously checked the film out because we were going to review this today. Fair but enough. I completely agree with you. I I actually enjoyed this film a lot more than I expected it to. Is it because um, of that first half? No. The entire film. You really enjoyed the whole thing? I did. I liked how it kind of developed. It, it kind of lost its way and kind of halfway through as it muddled along. It did kind of lag a little bit. Right. Without going into spoiler territory, uh-huh. right, because you enjoyed it, I need yes. to ask you this, right? Without yeah. going into spoiler territory, yes. the, the movie's big reveal, mm-hmm. right, which incidentally involves, a, there's a character reveal mm-hmm. which is telegraphed way, way in advance, mm-hmm. but there is also then, it ends on a plot reveal. Mm-hmm. Now, is it just me that thinks the plot reveal doesn't make a lick of sense? Not at all. Okay, I just wanted to check because it, <laughs> to me it really doesn't. Because it, when 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 we refer to this character, and again, not going into specifics, mm. I loved that moment. That moment I really did enjoy. But then, where did it go after that? It just <laughs> fell apart. But don't let that put you off whatsoever. It did have some emotional resonance, but it was for me. It was a little bit cheesy, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't really There's nothing wrong with a bit of cheese every now and then. Very true. Well, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Mm. You, got, you, got, you got a whole review and we got, didn't get to lift a finger for that. <laughs> I know. That was, that was great. That was we great. Just about, like every week. What, you want to just review things six so- months in advance so that we don't have to do anything at Christmas? Is yeah, that what it is? just have some time. Star Wars The Force Awakens. Do you know what? It's the best <laughs> film of the year. How much did you love the part where Han Solo got shot in the back? Yeah, but if uh, that, right, but... you say this now, if that happens, you'll be devastated. <laughs> <laughs> By Chewie. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah Chewie turned yeah. on and betrayed him to the Empire. and Pulls uh, out his arms. Wookie, <laughs> 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 yeah. don't rip your arms off when you reboot the franchise. <laughs> right, so, okay, box office top ten time. Number ten. Magic Mike XXL. Have you seen this one? I've seen it twice. Did you see it twice? <laughs> Did you go and see this at the end case? No. no but you I've, saw it twice. I've seen, I've seen, it I've seen what is uh, potentially the best scene. Yeah, you have. Yeah, you, yes, you, have. you showed it me. Jay Magrillo's starring performance at oh. the end of the film. Oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, so Cass, I'm going to... It's nice to get a lady's perspective on yeah. this. So please, do, do give us your, your take on Magic Mike. Okay, so it definitely is a worse film... But better film. Than the first <laughs> is it, is it, it's not as good a film, but it's more enjoyable because I yeah, said that. Yeah, a hundred percent. It is. the The first film was a, a better film in inverted commas. I didn't yeah. really enjoy it, was a it that much. Film. Even yeah, then, I didn't really enjoy it was, the, it was Steven the cinematic yeah. elements. I didn't even enjoy that much in the first film. Okay, I thought I felt like the storyline, the way it was advertised and marketed, very jarred deceptive. very much with the actual film that it ended up mm. being. Um, I didn't really care too much about the characters enough to. Be bothered about their story. I mean, lines. you weren't won over by Alex Pettifer's emotional. I'm never won over by Alex Pettifer's <laughs> emotional performances. Um, so the first film, uh, enough to watch it. I went with a lot of enthusiastic Channing Tatum fans, so it was enjoyable. So but... when you got to the sequel, did you do the clever thing, which was to get drunk and go and see it at eleven o'clock on a Friday night? I did not. Ooh, no, ooh, I didn't. I didn't get drunk. Out. I did go with girls. Okay, oh, that's the logical choice. Both times, I went with ladies that I 
love. And um, okay. well, I do. Um, I suppose the ladies that you hate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, preferably. You, uh, bitch, come see the <laughs> movie. Yeah, I hate you. You want to see this film with me? No, um, I like you. We're going to a movie. But went in knowing that it was going to be more what the first film promised to be. Yeah. Uh, knowing that it wasn't going to be as heavily focused on Channing Tatum, who I love, and he is an incredible dancer. He but is, he isn't he? He is not the face I enjoy watching <laughs> in the franchise. I'll who is the face? The face is, is Joe Manganiello. Joe Manganiello. He is my number one face he, literally like he's sculpted from stone and sent from god to us that's uh, how beautiful i find his face okay um, just just the face just the face just the rest face. of the body's great as well but the face the graying beard everything about him just sound like, oh, like my it? mother all, all the body. <laughs> yeah um so so you enjoyed the second one a lot more then. yeah i went into the second one felt like the, some aspects that were missing from the first one i enjoyed a lot more okay fair enough number nine so, number nine and eight, we don't have to really talk too much about. Number nine... So Empire Strikes Back, that will be in the top ten until Force Awakens comes out. Okay. Number eight. Yeah, and then uh, number eight was a Bollywood. Um, would you like to... Well, I, it's uh, Jadran, Jadranji yeah. Bajan, isn't it? Bajan, yeah. yeah. Okay. Pretty, well, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. As, a, as a standard policy, we don't tend to review the Bollywood films because they're never around for a second week, so True. it's never any... Also, they never pressure them. So let's skip right on down the chain. Okay. Number seven. To Terminator Genesis. Terminator Genesis. Or Jellyfish. Or Phil whatever Collins is rolling in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you'd have sent Phil Collins back, oh, amazing. God, that's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I wanna, I Peter Gabriel would have been there waiting yeah. to punch me in the face. I want a time-travelling <laughs> Phil Collins. That, that's what I want. No, yeah. I, I, I found Terminator Genesis really lacklustre. It feels strangely televisual. Mm. He said it was like a really, really bad pilot. And then you mm. consider that you know the actual Terminator <laughs> TV pilot was, yeah. was better yeah. than Genesis. Yeah. And, and which is a shame because I really like Amelia Clark in it. And Jai Courtney isn't as bad as he usually is. I was going to say, it's the most tolerable I've ever found yeah. Jai Courtney. I, although I think that's because uh, you know the male lead in the last movie was so awful. Yeah. <laughs> Despite well, being Christian Bale. Yeah. Christian Bale is oh, yeah. horrendous in it. Sam Worthington. I love that they have now actually replaced Sam Worthington with Jai Courtney. The cycle is complete. <laughs> is the next movie going to start Army Hammer? Is that how this is going to work? No, oh, don't say that. Don't, don't tarnish Army <laughs> Hammer's name. First Danson and now Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Burning bridges everywhere. But uh, so, Tom Genesis, you're not a fan. Uh, no. I do, are you I do a franchise fan? I'm not really a franchise fan. I was I was brought to the screening on the promise of, hey, do you want to come and see a really bad film? It, <laughs> <laughs> I, it delivered I'll show on the promise. A good time. <laughs> yeah, it delivered the promise. Did you do it the was a bad film. We didn't do the IMAX. No, did, okay, did you do the IMAX? You, you I didn't do the IMAX. Yeah, yeah, we went to uh, Little Odeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it you saw it on the living room TV, effectively. Effectively. Which probably added to the TV effect, but it no, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't great at all. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Number six. Ted 2 is our next one on the list. Now, I'm a fan of Ted 2. Uh, I don't think it's anywhere near as good as the first one, no. now. Sure. Although, I was thinking about this. On the comedy sequel spectrum, right? Yeah. The higher echelon uh, being 22 Jump Street, for example. The lowest point being The Hangover 2. And the midpoint being Horrible Bosses 2. This is, this is slightly higher than Horrible Bosses 2. I yeah, put it there. I would go with that. It feels like a. It's not Weekend at Bernie's 2, put it that way. No, and it's um, not. Um, I was at a Hot Tub Time Machine 2. Yeah. It's not Hot Tub Time Machine 2, no. no. Um, although, you know, I, I would like to see Adam Scott turn up in a Ted sequel. That would be kind of good. That would be good, yeah. Be, yeah. Like it would fit that, actually. Mm. Now, I like, I like Ted 2, in spite of the fact that it does. The first movie felt like it was from the maker of American Dad. This feels it, like it's from the maker of Family Guy. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, let let us hope that. the next one does not feel like it's from the creator of the Cleveland <laughs> show. <laughs> But it does feel a lot more sketchy. Like it, mm. uh, yeah. it, it's sketch based. Yeah. It is a very well, a thin uh, cutaway gags. Yeah, cutaway yeah. gags. Mm. There are some absolute gems though. Uh, Mark Wahlberg <laughs> in a in a courtroom on a witness stand is hilarious to me. Um, improv. The improv oh, class the improv is the great. Thing. <laughs> that post credits that gag oh, that comes yeah. back yeah. in the post credits. I think is great. Jurassic Park gag, I like that Jurassic gag as well. Park. Yeah. There's a lot of really good gags, but yeah. it is like an extended Family Guy episode. Mm. I mean, and weirdly, there is a Family Guy episode that has the exact plot to it, <laughs> which makes it even eerier. Mm. But you know what? I liked it. I've seen it several times, and the humour does hold up. I will yeah. say it's got rewatchability, which, strangely mm. enough, our next one doesn't quite have, but we'll get to that now. Number five. That next one is Jurassic World. 
So, Jurassic World, I've, I've seen this like four times now. I've seen it twice now. Do you love it, don't you? See, the first time I really, 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 really enjoyed it. Yeah. Second time I just really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so it's, quite a drop. it's moving down. Is yeah. that your poster quote? Is that yeah. I yeah. lost some reallys. Lost some reallys. Case That's... Allen on screen. Yeah. <laughs> Case Allen on screen. Yeah. It really, really like small text. Really small. Yeah, yeah really small text with, with, that, with that small quote on the bottom. Yeah. Cass. Um. Yeah, it was enjoyable. Definitely. It felt really long. Did to it me. feel long to you? Yeah, I felt like I was in there for a long time watching that film. I don't Actually, know I why. Like, I think it's two hours four, isn't it? It's like two hours yeah. four minutes. It's about three hours and four if you include Vincent D'Onofrio saying militarised dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I actually I watched it in the week and I text Case at half. I don't know if I told you this. I actually text Case and told him, hey, I'm watching Jurassic World again. Did you know that Vincent D'Onofrio wants to build a And I was like, really? I didn't pick up on that. I didn't get that the first time. Yeah, it was no, it was subtle. Very yeah. subtle. Uh, no, my mum hadn't seen it. I was visiting my mum and she wanted to see it, so we saw it and uh, she loved it. And uh, she had no idea who Chris Pratt was before oh, seeing the film. Yeah. What a treat for her! And, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the following the following day, uh, because we were in the middle of Cambridge, we went out for cream tea for my birthday, uh, because that's apparently a thing you do in Cambridge. And uh, <laughs> and we were, we, we were discussing it, and and I said, "So Chris Pratt is like the biggest star in the world, Mom. What do you think?" She goes, "Oh, I love him." Who doesn't? Oh. And and I went, "Oh, okay. He's the guy I showed you the picture. I remember he was fat, and now he's and now he's buff." She's like, no, I don't remember. I showed her the picture again. She's like, oh my God, is that the same guy? Like, yes, yes, yeah. And I explained to her about Parks and Recreation mm. and I said Guardians of the Galaxy. Has, oh, has, she, has she seen Guardians? She's seen bits of it and when she bought me the Blu-ray for Christmas right. and uh, she went, oh, is that that weird space thing you like so much? <laughs> I'm like, no, that's Star Trek. But, <laughs> yes. but yes, the other weird space thing that I like so much. And uh, yes, yeah, so Chris Pratt fan now, my mum, and uh, she enjoyed it. She said it wasn't as good as the first. Wow. So... That was a given. That was a given. <laughs> but it's, but it's, be- it's better, much better than two and three. Yeah, but it is better than two and so three. So I think that's the biggest compliment you could ever, ever, ever pay for. It, it is yeah. very true. I will say this: you know, the more I see it, though, the more I really love Irfan Khan's character. It's He's like, great. Really yeah. like and Jake Johnson. Oh whom, yeah, uh, who is incredible like, in everything he does. Who yeah. I, uh, I I forever watch that film and just think it's Hollywood Case. It's Hollywood Case, and then you then you watch her and oh it's Indie Case. And you watch the overnight and you're like oh yeah then you watch yeah and oh it's the Indie Comedy Case. So number four. Uh, it's coming up at number four. We got Southpaw. Now I say we missed this one while we were away last week. Have you seen this one? Uh, no, still no. Now, I really enjoyed this one. This is you did text one. me when you saw it. You said the, yeah. the big one it's, to watch. It's predictable. It's a mm. very predictable film. Like beat for beat, you can kind of predict what's going to happen. Yeah. It's an underdog boxing story. Mm. It's a fallen from grace. Weirdly, it's the plot of Rocky Three. It is the plot of Rocky Three with Jake Gyllenhaal and who, a who, who is playing uh, the character of... Apollo Creed yeah who's playing Some, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure who he is I get his name I'm pretty sure he's a rapper who's just trying is there a scene where they're running on the beach Th- there's a similar kind of thing okay. Okay. <laughs> that whole thing he's not Apollo Creed though it's Forrest Whitaker nice and all okay. of this comes from the writer of Sons of Anarchy yeah. Kurt yeah. Sutter better known as you <laughs> At the end, you know, as you as you call yeah. him, at the end of every episode mm. of Sons of Anarchy, you just go, "Oh, you!" Oh, you have so many bites off his tongue, and you call him, "Ew!" Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. Yeah, and you're like, "Ew, you!" Uh, and yeah. great episode. So, so you've got the writer of Sons of Anarchy, you've got Jake Gyllenhaal, you've got Rachel McCams, you've got Forrest Whitaker, and then best of all, you've got Antoine Fuqua mm. directing. And I didn't realise. You know what his production company's called? What? Fuqua Films. Great name. <laughs> that is amazing. Dynamic. That is dynamic. I mean, that, that surname by itself. It's actually yeah. Fuqua Films, but it's written as Fuqua Films, Fuqua films. which <laughs> sounds like a weird kind of sushi, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, can, I get, can I get an order of the Fuqua Films? Thank you. Yeah. It's like for filka fish. <laughs> can I get the Fuqua Films, please? Well, I will say for Southport, I was told yesterday, whilst cool. buying the tickets for Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, yeah. that you could just be watching Southport. That was what I was told. Yeah, exactly so, yeah, oh, okay. Do I know the person who said this? It wasn't Greg, was it? It wasn't Greg. No, no. <laughs> sounds like sounds like a Greg one. That one. Okay, so what we got next? Number three. Um, those quote unquote lovable minions. You really don't <laughs> like minions, do you? No. I mean, when you reviewed minions on the show a couple of weeks ago, the setup you gave me for the film minions was good. Yeah, I was kind of. I, I like that. Did idea. you then see it? No. Oh, okay. Right, <laughs> okay. I said we're still going blind on this. I know. Yeah. Um, 
the, the, the whole setup, it's um, they are going around there serving different They go through history masters. to serve yeah. different yeah. masters, but they Which keep accidentally killing them. Okay, that's good. And, yeah, and, then they... and then the rest of the film happens, so I don't And know. then the rest of the yeah. film happens, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, there is, there is a, a brief moment in which it is implied that Napoleon Bonaparte tried to arrange the actual genocide of the minion tri- They're called a tribe, incidentally, not a race. They're a tribe. Okay. I did notice that because I didn't think, are they a species? Are they a race? What are they? They're a tribe. That's the official definition of them. Right. So, no, but, and they originate from single cell organisms. Yeah. We, we're shown this through like a microscope. I love that. All of which follows the trailer from uh, Secret Life of Pets, which I will be honest. <laughs> That's a pretty high bar, isn't it? That's yeah. a pretty high but, bar. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think uh, kids are going to love the Minions. Parents will laugh their asses off, and uh, it's got a great sort of swinging '60s soundtrack, which seems to be the big reason to have set it in the '60s. Okay. Uh, there's a couple of very obvious '60s gags in there that you kind of see coming, like a particular London street that relates to an album cover uh, gets right, yeah. gets referenced. Yeah. If you can imagine, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, props to me go. Props from me go to uh, Michael Keaton and Alison Janney. As this, as as the as the uh, <laughs> matriarch and patriarch of the greatest family you have ever seen on screen, they are this American wow. suburban criminal family, and they are genius. Well, she is an amazing movie, Rob, well, isn't she? She is an amazing movie. Everything. I did not know she <laughs> yeah. was involved in the franchise. I'm going to go see it tomorrow. There you go. Okay, because of Alison Day. Yeah. This is what got you into the Duff, is it? Uh, you've not, she's, you've not seen, seen the, the duff. duff. We were talking yeah. about it yesterday. Oh, yeah. yeah, she would love it. You, you, you must see the duff because oh. oh no, you did. Oh no, yes, I did. I yeah, you must see the duff. I'm well aware. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> number two. Uh, so coming up at number two, we've got an incredible film. I would say Ant Man. You think it's incredible? I would definitely say it's oh, incredible. Okay. I'd Case. say yes. Definitely. You, you're incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, astonishing. Oh, oh, nice. oh nice. I, I think it, it is it is made up of several tales to a stop. Yeah. But that guy is actually yeah. made in the film. Of course, well. yeah. says it, yeah. Um, right, I, I really enjoyed that, man. Um, now, Wilson, mm. and I, Wilson and I were talking about this this morning. Uh, one thing we were saying is after the convoluted mess that was Age of Ultron, part of what makes Ant-Man so successful really is how simplistic and straightforward it mm. is. And I think that's needed after Ant-Man. And you look at something like Guardians as well. Guardians is quite a straightforward, simplistic kind of film. And... Yeah, that works as well. It's like a team film, and we've got exactly. to learn. These films to don't need to be any more complicated than Iron Man three or Winter Soldier. That's it. Yeah. That's as comp- and Iron Man three is complicated. You know, it is complex in terms of character. Captain America: Winter Soldier is complex in terms of plot. Mm. They need mm. be nothing more than those. That should be the highest bar in terms of complexity. Yeah. I uh, Ant Man and Light Guardians of the Galaxy kind of keeps it simple, and that's why it works. And also, it's funny. It is really, really funny. It's definitely the funniest mm. of the MCU. Can I yeah, can I ask as, as a lady did, yeah. did Paul Rudd do it for you in this one with the little buff body? Uh, Paul Rudd has done it for me since Clueless, um, so it's so, been a long time. Fan. Would you have been like five when yeah, Clueless came out? Yeah, I would have. <laughs> That's it was like long time love, long time love, Paul Rudd. But no, yeah, definitely. I think by scaling down the character, technically, mm. uh, but scaling no everything down <laughs> made it much more effective. No wink. Oh, okay, fair enough. So on to the number one. Number one. Uh, Inside Out. Inside Out. Now, I take it you've both seen this. Yeah. I can imagine you were at the first showing for this something. <laughs> well, yeah. First yeah. of like the earliest convenience, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, how much did you love it? Uh, well, you were crying like the Niagara Falls, weren't you? Yeah. I, was, I wasn't just like pretty crying a few tears. It was like ugly crying, pulling a face. <laughs> ugly crying. Un- unable to control my face. Crying <laughs> you went through the glasses up, so it was okay. Yeah, it covered it. But so much so that as we were leaving the cinema, an old man came over to me and said, have you been crying? And I was like, I have been. Yeah. Did you look like the old man from Up? Because that would just <laughs> no. be sting in the end gone of the again, gone again, yeah. yeah. But no, I really liked Inside Out. Yeah. Um, it's really well written. It's really well crafted. Visually, it's brilliant. I... I it does quite complex things in terms of relatively simplistic visuals, which I think is quite mm. impressive. I, and some of the uh, the thought, no, no pun intended, that's gone into it, um, <laughs> like, for instance, the subconscious. And, and yeah, like, train of thoughts. Train of thoughts, yeah. exactly. Love that. I love these things because they're quite well thought out. Paul Ekman has input in this film, I didn't realise. Oh. Uh, we did the press again, we got told at the very end of it <laughs> that Paul Ekman had been one of the consultants I'm like, oh damn it I know a lot about Paul Ekman I would have been talking about Paul Ekman this whole time mm. if you'd let me know no one no one told us <laughs> that and uh, Paul Ekman if you've ever seen the TV series Lie to Me uh, with Tim Roth yeah. it's based on Paul Ekman yeah, right. 
and uh, I have several of his books. I've never read them, but I have them. Yeah. I've watched several documentaries on the subject, though. Yeah. Um, no, inside that, I think Amy Poehler is terrific. Uh, yeah. Bill Hader, Lewis Black, I love in this. I was angry, yeah. yeah, he's incredible. He's amazing. Um, who plays Sadness? Phyllis. Uh, Sadness is Phyllis Smith from Phyllis The Office. Smith. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, plays Phyllis in The Office. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and really Mindy well Kaling, cast, yeah. I think, as well. Yeah. It's a very, yeah, very yeah. well cast film. Yeah. Even Mindy Kaling, who I hate normally. I love her. Works really well for this guy. Yeah. yeah, I really love. The but it's all about it is, it is. Yeah, she just Obviously. like embodies joy. Does I mean, you just she just makes... watching Parks and Rec. Yeah, 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 definitely. She is very. And it is. It's a, very, it's a very touching, very deep, very thoughtful film. Mm. No, again, no pun intended. But uh, I really liked it. And yeah. I did the short that's before it as well, which is oh, Lava. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Beautiful. That was so, another one that sort of experimental, like Feast. It's kind of experimental in its style. Paper Man, or what was the yeah. one with the grates and the. It was like real, real, real photography, and it was like real parts of the street would. Oh, uh, Blue Umbrella. Blue Umbrella. Blue Umbrella. That was it. That was oh, even really night and day with the whole yeah. Yeah, playing with the animation style. They're quite, mm. quite experimental with the yeah. shorts, aren't they? Mm, I love it. But, uh, but yeah, no, really good really musical incredible. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. many, many, many uh, like musical ones. So mm. it was especially good. For yeah. So, final review of the week then. Uh, yeah, I've not seen this. You've not seen you this? Have. Okay, I'm going to make this quick then. So, Beyond the Reach, uh, which is by uh, Jean-Baptiste Leonetti, uh, stars Jeremy Irvin and Michael Douglas. And here's the setup, right? Okay, you, the, you strapped the, set, the setup is incredible. The setup is <laughs> incredible. Right, strap yourself in case. I'm right. ready. You've got I'm a so young ready. search and rescue deputy who's the best tracker in the business, right? But he's about no, 20. You, you can make the screen in your mind's eye. Yeah, there we go. Okay, he's the best tracker in the business. He's about 20 years old. He's played by Jeremy Irvin. His name's Ben. And Ben is called into work one day to escort, uh, to be hired, paid uh, to escort a wealthy businessman into the Mojave Desert beyond the reach. So this oh. is at a, point, at a point when you can't walk safely back without dying from exposure. Right? So heat exposure during the day, cold <laughs> exposure by night. You, you will die if you aren't in a very well-prepared vehicle. And he has to escort this wealthy businessman, Michael Douglas, there game hunting. Michael Douglas soon accidentally kills a man and tries to get his young deputy to go along with covering it up. And when he doesn't, what do you think Michael Douglas's response might be? Turns out, it all goes a bit wrong. Yeah, turns out that if you disagree with a man holding a high-powered rifle, who's a very, very good shot, there's a good chance it might not go your way. And very soon, young Mr. Irvin finds himself forced to flee for his life in the desert chased by a madman with a gun. Here's Hooray! a clip. <laughs> Yay, here's a clip. How long is your highway band? 40, 50 miles, you think? And like you said, it's gonna be 120 by noon, isn't it? Come on, honey. You're right, it was nice. I, I saw that. I saw it. I, but, this would be murder. No, I'm not killing you, Ben, now. He's gonna watch you kind of, you know, wander around for a while. You think you can really do that? You just watch me. We were all saying none of us like Jamie Levin. <laughs> no. I have I have previously described him as uh, being as drippy as a drain pipe in a monsoon. Yeah. That's uh, the, the horse from War Horse is a better actor. He's my horse, <laughs> sir. But he's my horse. Shot he managed Jeremy. to take one of the most beautiful plays and turn his performance into one of the worst films I've ever seen. This is very so, true. No great expectations. No, that was War Horse. No, that was War Horse. Oh, yeah. right. oh well, two man. Two um, then. <laughs> right, this Cost is the, it's not even a play. This is the best performance of his career. Okay. Far and away, and also he's hiding behind a very well-developed American accent. You forget oh. that he's Jeremy Irvin for a point. Well, that's but good. <laughs> for for machinations yeah. of the plot, he does spend most of the movie in shorts, mm. literally only wearing a pair of shorts, fleeing for his life in this mm. desert. And it's a cat and mouse type game. Um, now, Michael Douglas, great in it, but it's Michael Douglas playing a psycho with a gun. Now you can kind of imagine he can do that in his sleep. It is a very mm. standard mm. Michael Douglas role. But you know what? It works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> um, it's excellent. It's gripping. It's suspense. Got a great score to it. Cinematography is beautiful. The uh, the actual the landscape, the Mojave Desert, is as much of a physical threat, obviously, mm. as Michael Douglas is, and it feels like it throughout. The desert constantly feels like it is pushing in on this character. And it's really, really well done. It's tightly packed into about ninety-two minutes, and well, well worth checking out. I can't recommend it highly enough. Mm. But to definitely see it. It's like a. If I were going to describe it as anything, it's like a cross between. You ever see the Edge with Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin? 
Oh, with the bet, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Similar oh, setup. It's like the That's edge meets film, 127 yeah. hours. Can you imagine that? That's oh, yeah. the love child of those two films. Good mm. combo. So, good combo, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. Right, so should we have a quick skim of some film news? Let's see what we've got uh, left over for the week. Yeah, um, let's do it. Um, of course, we should oh, talk yes. about uh, Rowdy Roddy, Roddy, Roddy Piper. Piper. Well, Rowdy Roddy Piper died yesterday, didn't mm. he? Age, age 61. Yeah. And I only watched him recently in WWE Legends House as well. He was in an episode of uh, um, It's Always Sunny Philadelphia. Was he was. Him, he yeah. was in there. And you, of course, are wearing Remainer. your They I'm Live, they live badge, badge today. Yeah. Which is, of course, his second most famous role after being Roddy, Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course, yeah. Um, but also in the news we true, have... True the, This is very true. <laughs> also in the news we have Relativity, Relativity Studios are now officially bankrupt. Yeah, that happened Thursday. Uh, that happened. Uh, we all knew it was going for a long way off. So quite a few films are in some peril. Now, in some peril. Uh, yeah. Jane's Got a Gun, though, was saved. That was, oh, really? that was saved at the 11th hour. I think they are trying to push that for the awards season, I think which they are. is bizarre. Uh, we've got... Oh, th- this was a weird one. Uh, Shaft. We're getting a reboot of Shaft, yeah. which is going to be uh, from the creator of uh, Blackish, I believe it's called, the, the sitcom with Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, Lawrence Fishburne is in a sitcom because apparently doing he's CSI... Good. He's good. Not. He's good. Doing that... Who's, who's the lead guy? Doing Hannibal. Anthony Anderson. <laughs> Anderson. Yeah. Doing like Well, um, right. So the creator of Blackish, whose name escapes me, is Kenya something, I think. Kenya. Um, Ke- Kenya. So his name's Kenya. Wow. And, which sounds like they were saying Ken and then yeah and someone misinterpreted and went oh Ken, Ken you yeah, like the country he's yeah. alright yeah. Uh, Ken yeah he's alright <laughs> uh, well the writer of the Shaft comics whose name is David Walker who's written the Shaft comics and he now he's written a book as well called Shaft Revenge a novel um, he's taken issue with it and has demanded new line because apparently okay. they will destroy the idea and ensure that we never get a good movie in his lifetime if this happens so we've got that going on. Uh, Jake John Hall's going to star as a Boston Marathon bombing survivor yeah. in a movie called Stronger. It's going to be directed by uh, David Gordon Green, I believe. It is, yeah. yes, David Gordon Green. Uh, Ab Fab of the movie is going to start <laughs> filming in October. I don't know if you've heard this. Yeah, this has been in development for a while. Are you from Essex? You should love Ab Fab. I do love Ab Fab. I just <laughs> feel I like, yeah, every film. time there's been some sort of attempt to adapt it in a different way, it hasn't worked. Re, Roseanne... Well, final season which was basically Ab Fab well, yeah, which you couldn't but, sell the rights there is that but also let's not forget that Mark Kermode was in the la- one of the last specials for Ab Fab so he deserves praise for that bit who there How, can you imagine making that offer <laughs> yeah. hey Mark we know you're not an actor but <laughs> come be uh, involved Daniel Radcliffe is going to be starring in an FBI thriller called Imperium, in which he's an undercover FBI agent hunting white supremacists. Ooh. So uh, we might get to see uh, a, a tattered-up, shaven-headed, shrostica-sporting <laughs> uh, version of Daniel Radcliffe. Harry Potter being at, like, like Edward Norton. Ed Norton, yeah. Basically. <laughs> uh, Mission Impossible 6 is coming, as we've said mm. earlier. Uh, oh, Battling Boy. This is a, an animated short. Uh, this is a, uh, a graphic novel. This is going to be adapted into a big, a big screen film, a proper big screen film, uh, from the director of Feast, the Pixar film. Oh. Uh, Patrick Osborne. He's going to be directing that as well. Uh, I think that's about it for this week, isn't it? Been a pretty hectic week. Yeah, we've um, kind of announced some uh, filming dates for Justice League and Wonder Woman. Oh yeah, that's, that's the DC news for this week. Tom Holland is officially confirmed for Civil War. He is officially going to be in it as a cameo. As a cameo, yeah. but yeah. And the, the writers of yeah. the new Spider-Man, who are the directors of uh, Vacation, said yes. it's not going to be an origin story. Yes, Thank which is God. very good. <laughs> yeah. There was a very fake a cast news. list out this week as well. Mm. A very fake cast list written by someone who genuinely expected us to believe that. Billy Zane would be cast as the Vulture and Jason Biggs as the Scorpion. What were these people smoking that day? Is Billy Zane even allowed in films? Andy Meeker and I once put a fake put a Flash movie Zane. poster into the world and then, really? watched, and then watched the ripple effect through social media. It was oh, hilarious. There were people who had prejudged the film based on this fake, very obviously photoshopped poster we had done. And uh, it, it's kind of like what this cast list is. Billy Zane was not the bomb in Phantom. Billy Zane was not the bomb in Phantoms but you know what Ben Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms I have never met Ben Affleck Ben Affleck Affleck. I've never met Ben Affleck I've always wanted to should I ever have the joy of doing any press thing that involves Ben Affleck I would will begin any question to him with uh, Mr Affleck firstly with the bomb in Phantoms secondly please please do it it will be (laughs) Uh, John Mosby did specifically ask me uh, when we were at the Captain America junket last year not to begin a question to Samuel L. Jackson with a question for Mr. Fishburne, <laughs> which was a couple of days after the incident, and I thought he would have found hilarious. Mosby insisted, however, that he would not. So, yeah, there was that. 
So, let's have a look at what we've got next week. And, uh, oh, the, the list will load up sooner or later. We have, oh, uh, Fantastic Four is out on Thursday. I don't know if you've heard about this. Somebody's uh, excited about it. I'm excited. I'm not going to let people get Somebody likes Miles Teller. That person is not Van. Would you like to know not something really Miles funny Teller, about Fantastic Four? The whole Four? cast. Uh, Josh Trank. Well, yes, that is really funny. Uh, Fantastic Four. Did you know that reviews are embargoed until four o'clock the day before? Really? Yes. I wonder why. This wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that the press events are going on that afternoon as well. So anyone who can review it won't be available at 4pm that day. It just seems unlikely to me. However, since the press things are full up due to, and I quote, high demand... Um, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to it, so I'm not beholden to those rules. So I'm going to go to a public screening the night before. <laughs> I can review it to my heart's content. Boom! There it is. What else Take we that, have? Fox. Take that, Fox. We've got Diary of a Teenage Girl starring Alexander Skarsgård, or if you're mm. going to give him his real name, Mr. Gyllenhaal. Uh, we've got The Gift, which is Joel Edgerton's directorial debut. Yeah. He's got yeah. 90s adult yeah. thriller, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's going to be interesting. interesting. We've got Manglehorn with Al Pacino. To as well, yeah. Uh, again, directed by uh, David Gordon Green. Yeah, He's getting around, that boy. And we've got this one. I'm not sure what to make of this one. Max, which is the army, uh, is army dog. This is the army dog. Army dog. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Yes, starring Thomas Hayden Church and Lauren Graham. I'm not particularly Come sure on, that's going to turn out. Yeah. <laughs> so Sandman. Sandman and Lorelai. <laughs> yeah. So all that's come and more next week off screen. So this has been a candy store production for on screen. I've been Van Connor. This has been off screen. My name is Case Allen. This has been off screen. <laughs> My name is Cassie Guy, and this has been off screen. You really didn't have to do that bit as well. Oh, that's, no. that's too far. Yeah. And we'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. <laughs> <laughs>